Good morning. If, if you need a Bible, raise your hand, and uh, these guys will be glad to give you one. A couple of things I want to mention to you, and then we will get, get started. Number one, this Saturday is what? Help Day. So, for those of us who won't be suffering for Jesus in St. Louis... Praying with God's team. Uh, we really need it, uh, particularly uh, in the latter part of the year, sometimes we don't have as many bodies. So, if you could be there Saturday to help at the Bartley campus, we'll start setting up about 8 o'clock, and really from about 10 to noon is the real intensive time, both in, in the upstairs in the clothing area and uh, particularly downstairs in the gym. So, Saturday, this, this Saturday, if you, particularly from 10 to 12, if you can be at the Bartlett campus with the, the help day, uh, that'd be fantastic. I'd really appreciate it. Also, for those of you who haven't noticed, I'm uh, rocking a different shirt this week. Last week, I, Randy, wore the blue shirt. This week, Randy's wearing the gray shirt. From the, from the I hate to do the, the runway walk, but I can't do it. So... If you would like one of these nice go t-shirts, you can go right over this table to my left. You're right. Mr. McCarter is over there, and he will be there afterwards. And you can have one of these stunning t-shirts for the small price of $10. And that uh, basically helps us do what we need to do with the go campaign. So, plus they look uh, incredibly good on some of us. Some of us can, John, for example. Why does John look so much better in his than I do in mine? It's not right. But... You, you get in where they're at this table, they're all adult sizes, so from small to, to 3X if uh, you need it. So if you'd like a T-shirt afterwards, uh, they're over there. One other thing, a couple of things I want to mention about the uh, Go campaign. They're also on the table over there. This month we're walking and praying over our neighborhoods, different neighborhoods, and there are prayer cards over there on the table as well, right on the corner there where Kevin is sitting. So you can get one of these prayer cards, and even if you don't walk your neighborhood or another one and pray, or if you're just going to drive through and pray, or even if, if you can't get out and you're just at home, and if you're praying for your neighbors, this is some specific ways and interesting that you can use to pray scripture back to the Lord, pray for your neighbors, pray for opportunities to, to just meet them, find out where they are, maybe share the gospel, and you never know what God's going to do as you begin to pray and just see what the Lord wants you to do. If nothing else, it is God's will that you pray for your neighbors, without question. It's God's will that you pray for your leadership. God's will you pray for, for uh, all kinds of things. But specifically for this particular campaign, the cards are on the table, and you can just pick up one. I know there's some, some ladies that I know of that have paired off and uh, pray together before you go. We had some ladies, uh, I won't mention names, but it was hilarious. Uh, actually had an encounter with the police in Bartlett this week as they were going to pray. And uh, at least they had somebody there willing to do the talking. That was the important thing. So I won't mention any names, but Mary and I have chuckled repeatedly this week. Just, just we sitting there, she said, what are you laughing at? And I'm thinking about her saying, I won't mention her name. I'm thinking about her saying, Y'all be quiet, let me do the talking, because I've been in that situation uh, a couple of times. 
we were downtown one time on a youth outing downtown, and I was driving the van, and we were leaving. I don't even remember where we had been, but we had a van full of teenagers and me and a couple other guys, and I made a turn that I should not have made, and the policeman was not happy. I mean, he was beating on the side of the van for me to turn around and go the other way, and, and so everybody's screaming, and I said, y'all be quiet, let me do the talking, and then we had another guy get out and wanted to confront them. This is back when... Uh, uh, Heavy metal music was was big, and he had he looked like he'd stepped right out of uh, a heavy metal band, and the officer was not happy, and, and he that boy was going to jail. And I said, yeah, I said, please let me do the talking. And then there was a time I got arrested by an undercover cop in St. Louis for selling tickets in the wrong area. <laughs> I wasn't scalping them; I was trying to sell them for face value, but the officer. Uh, had to explain to me as he got ready to arrest me. I said, look here, man. I said, man, I pulled my, you know, I pulled the preacher card. <laughs> I said, I'm telling you in the name of Jesus, I'm a preacher. <laughs> he said, look, man, I'm telling you in the name of Jesus, you better get on the other side of that bridge and quit selling these tickets on stadium property. And I said, I had no idea it was <laughs> illegal, but he was getting ready to take me. I was going to meet some people underneath the stadium. I didn't even know it was down there, but uh, I was on the way. So I, I, and then there was the other time Chris Ellison and I were selling tickets on the street legally, and this cop is sprinting toward us. I mean, on a, on a dead sprint running at us, and I'm not the quickest person in the world. And Chris turned around because he was going to let Randy do the talking, and Chris turned around and I had vanished because <laughs> I thought Chris is better to handle this than me because he's been arrested. I've only spent time going to pick up relatives at jail and visiting and that kind of thing. I've never actually had the encounter, so I don't know what any of that has to do with anything except you pray and see what God has a sense of humor. You never know what's going to happen. You never know the opportunities that God is going to give you. You just, uh, it's a special time. And we're not worried about the maps this month. I told you last week the maps they sent us for Arlington were a little too ambitious. So we just want you to get out and pray, and then we're going to get the map situation straightened out before October, and then we'll all be designated certain areas to go hang, uh, put the door uh, packages on the door hangers so we won't duplicate efforts as we go put those out, and we'll have all that ready by the 1st of October. But please, it's exciting to watch God work, if nothing else. Uh, start praying and, and see what God does. Who knows, you might get arrested and give us something funny to talk about. They did not get arrested, by the way. They just uh, were parked in an area that was unusual, and the police were waiting to talk to them when they got back. So turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. It is a, um, as Peter mentioned earlier, and, and it uh, said it so well, it is a special day in the life of your church when you see anybody get saved, but uh, Reese Butler's just a special young man, and, and uh, he's always been, obviously I've known him his whole life, and, and Lauren and Red are so special to our church and leadership, and, and I know Lauren still thinks I'm crazy. I know I met her when she was in college, and I know the one thing she thought was, this guy is a nut, and she still thinks that, and I have so many fond memories of Rhett. We could spend the whole day just telling Rhett stories. Uh, I'll just tell you one, because I still chuckle about that. We were having a Christmas thing, a play, and Rhett was dressed as Snoopy. And the full, I mean, he had the great Snoopy costume on, and he was up on the stage, kind of like the one I'm standing on right now. And in the middle of skating as Snoopy, he skated right off the end of the stage. 
<laughs> and in the midst of our, no one thought, is he okay? Because he was young, nobody cared. He was young, we figured he's healthy, he's athletic, he's going to be all right. <laughs> we, were, we were laughing so hard. He just laying on the floor, he just skated right off into, <laughs> into the sunset, right off the edge of the stage. Said only Rhett could accomplish that and make it look good. But he pulled it off. All right, I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 now. Here's what I want you to do. We've been talking about this month as we, get, as we are going and as we're praying for our neighbors that we're going to be talking about disciplines in the life of a believer this month. Last week we talked about prayer and how significant that discipline, spiritual discipline, is in the life of a Christian. Today we're going to talk about giving. And everybody went, I, I knew we shouldn't have come today. I told you. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to just take your wallet and begin to pass them up in front. And Darren's up here and John, we will collect them and then give them back to you at the, after we've gone through them. Listen, what I want to share with you from my heart, and I love to teach the word of God, but so many people, like, like for example, if you're visiting today, here's, you're the only one that has the right to say, every time I come there, he talks about money. You have the right to say that because you're visiting here today. But to teach the full counsel of the Word of God, that what we're going to talk about today is not about money. It's not about dollars. It's about a discipline. In my life, your life, your family's life, in teaching your children the nurture and bringing them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, the concepts that God wants us to understand as believers and that this is a discipline in your life. It is not about, please look at me closely. It is not about you giving 10% to your church. The Bible never mentions in the New Testament the word tithe. Not mentioned one time. There was an Old Testament tax that God gave to the children of Israel to take care of the temple and the Levites. That's what it was for. It was to teach them a discipline, yes. But they also had free will offerings when they built the tabernacle Moses, God told Moses, just have the people bring things and we will build the tabernacle from what they bring. A free will offering. The primary principle in the New Testament and in the New Testament church age for giving. What we're going to look at today is the principle of giving as a Christian discipline. It's not about a percentage. It's not about a tax. It's about cheerfully wanting to be involved as a privilege in the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That it's a privilege. That it, we are grateful that we've experienced grace. You think about, again, how special a moment it is to see Reese Butler at 10 years of age be baptized as a public profession of his faith in Jesus Christ. One of these days, we never thought Rhett would be the man of God that he is. You never know what God's going to do in an individual's life. But I promise you, Reese will know truth. He's being taught truth. He's being reared in a home where truth is honored. And so when he has a family one day, what's he going to do? He's going to do the same thing. And what a great thought that we pass it on generationally, generationally. But one of the things that particularly the coming generations, my generation, by and large, those who went to church, are givers. The next generations are not. And it's, and it's because they're not, they have a sense of, I don't really know what I think about organized religion. Forget that. It's about a discipline in your life as a believer that I've experienced grace 
And I am so grateful that God saved Randy that I want others to understand that grace. And it's a privilege for me to be able, just a simple example. The first weekend in November, we're going to have all our missionaries together, both here and at Bartlett. We're going to spend the weekend with our missionaries. And as Mary and I give to our church, as you give to your church, we are able to give and support those missionaries where the gospel goes all, literally all over the world. And as I pray for them and I look at my refrigerator and on my office in here, desk and, and other places where I have pictures of them, remind me, and as I pray for them, one of the things that God always brings to my heart and I get a smile on my face as I know them and I've met them and I've spent time with them is some of them for 35 years I've been able to say I'm a part of that seminary in India, two seminaries that Ron Seatron has. I, I'm part of that. Mary and I get to be part of that. And Gary Whitmore, whom I've known since 1984, and all that Transworld Radio does all over the globe, that we get to be part of that. And so do you. The giving is a discipline. It's not about, man, I got to get God on my side. And, and I realize a lot of people preach that. that I got to get God on my side. It's not biblical, by the way. That I'll give this and, and I'll get this much back. You give because you want to. You give because you're grateful. You give because you care. You give because you love. You give because you've been given to. What's the greatest gift ever given in the history of humanity? It's called the crucifixion and the ensuing resurrection. That Jesus Christ, the Bible says, and we'll see this as we walk through this principle of discipline of giving, that Jesus chose by his own volition to humble himself, become obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, to be tortured to death so that we might be free. And the Bible puts it this way. He chose to become rich that we might become, excuse me, you might be able to figure this out now. He chose to become poor that we might become what? Rich. Rich. And again, unfortunately, some preachers have taken that and twisted that to, to make it to think that that's about money. If you think that's about money, uh, you, you, have no, you can't read. You've got you to look at the context. You've got to understand, I became rich in that I was given life. That's what it means. I was given peace, hope. I was given a future. I was given a reason to get out of bed every morning even though I don't want to because my back or my neck is killing me or something's hurting. I don't want to, but yet God says, you got an opportunity today to share the gospel with somebody else. I stood yesterday, Peter and I did a wedding yesterday afternoon. It started out in the rain outside. It ended up inside at, at the Pink Palace. And I look back generationally. The girl that I'm married, I've known basically her whole life. Her parents are very special at our Bartlett campus. And her sister, who did, I did her wedding a few years ago, she had a brand new little baby there. Brand new, beautiful little infant. And I'm thinking, here we are. Generation, generation, generation. What an opportunity. You never know. That's why you pray. That's why you go. Wait a minute. I think that's a poem. You never know. You pray. You go. So discipline number two that we're going to look at today. Prayer was last week. Today we're going to look at giving from God's perspective. 2 Corinthians 8. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 contextually is about Christian giving. That it's about giving in a true sense, graciously, 
abundantly, joyfully, generously, cheerfully. In the, in the original language, the Apostle Paul wrote it this way. Christian giving is hilarious. For some of you, it's hilarious to think I'm going to give anything. And Paul said, it's hilarious. You're just, woo, I can't wait to be part of what Jesus is doing. And what we're going to look at in 2 Corinthians 8 is an example that Paul shares with the church at Corinth. He never mentions money. He never commands them as the apostle of the church to give. He shares an example with them so they'll understand two things. One, it's a privilege to be part of what God is doing. And number two, it's born out of gratitude. Those two things. It's a privilege and it's born out of gratitude for what God has done for you. So he says, take the opportunity like the Macedonians, he says to the church at Corinth, which was immature, fleshly. They had all kinds of issues. And he's saying, look at them. And take an opportunity to say, what can I learn from their example in my life? Paul later would write to his son in the faith, Timothy, the following words. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, not money itself, that's a, as an aside. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some in the church have strayed from the faith in their greediness, and they've pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Command, Timothy, those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty or prideful, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but rather trust in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Jesus said simply this, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And one of my favorite ways of understanding this is what Moses said to the children of Israel. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. The very capacity to earn income is a gift from God. Some are gifted in different areas. But the very fact you can go out and earn wealth is a gift from God, mentally, physically. So if I think about my son-in-law who can fix anything, and then I think about me who can fix nothing. We want something fixed, we just simply say, call Ryan, because Randy ain't fixing it. He might try, but he's going to destroy it if he does. I can't fix anything with my hands. God gave me capacity to do other things. But the capacity, the ability, the mental acumen, simply the intelligence to earn wealth is a gift from God. And he says, give it back to me. So the thing I want us to think about today is a discipline. Is that it's a barometer of where I am in my walk with Christ. How do I handle the wealth that I've been given by God? One of the things we will learn is that every bit of it is his. It's not about 10%. It's about 100%. What am I doing as a manager? That's what stewardship is. What am I doing as a manager of God's assets? They're his. They're not Randy's. What does he want me to do with them? One of the great stories in the, in the ministry of Jesus Christ, or the great story, maybe to illustrate this, beyond the story of the widow's might, 
But on a very practical level, they were talking about paying taxes. And Jesus said, show me a coin. He said, whose image is on that coin? What did they say? See if you're awake. Whose image was on the coin? Caesar's. So what did Jesus say? Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Pay your taxes. But then he made such an incredible point. Probably why he was the greatest teacher that ever lived. Being God probably helped. Here's what he said. You see the coin? It bears Caesar's image. Then he looked at him and he said, so you render Caesar what's Caesar's. Then he looked at him and said, whose image do you bear? Whoa. Whose image do you bear? You're created in the image of God. So render unto God what is God's. I'm created in his image. It's stamped on me. That's who I am. What sets human beings apart from the rest of the animal kingdom, we are created in the image of God. And so as a believer in Jesus Christ, a Christ follower who's been saved, born again, I want to bear the image of God and render unto him what is his. In Romans 12, 1, the Apostle Paul put it this way, I beg you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies, and that literally means all that is you, body, soul, spirit, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, set apart, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable, not undue request, your reasonable service of worship. I want to worship God. I say I want to, we're here to worship service. I say I want to worship God. And what that means for me as an individual is that I look at myself, body, soul, and spirit. I crawl up on the altar and I say, here I am, Lord. The problem with a living sacrifice, as someone has so greatly said, is the following. They tend to crawl off the altar. It's an oxymoron. I need to die to self to live unto him. So let's look at the context of 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And then we'll begin to get into it. The context, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, Paul writes to the church at Corinth. Keep that in mind, it's very important. He's writing to the church at Corinth. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you, the church at Corinth, the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. 2 Corinthians 8, 1. Let me tell you the historical context, what was going on as he writes these words, or what they had been going through. It really helps you understand this illustration. There was a great famine. This is the churches in Macedonia. Please note that. There was a great famine in Palestine, not Macedonia. A great famine in Palestine. And in Palestine, the people that lived in that area were Jewish. The people that lived in Macedonia were Gentiles, non-Jewish. So he says to the churches of Macedonia, the grace has been bestowed upon them. Context now. In Palestine, there had been a great famine because of an incredible drought. And many of the Jewish believers there had lost their capacity to earn wealth because they had no water, they had a drought, they couldn't grow crops, they couldn't feed their flock, and so they were losing the very capacity to have a livelihood. So Paul had asked, remember, they're Jewish. Paul had asked the Gentile churches to give an offering of relief for their Jewish brethren. The idea of one Lord, one faith, one baptism, neither Jew nor Gentile, male nor female, slave nor free. We're all one in Christ. So he says to the Gentile churches in Macedonia, give to help relieve our Jewish brethren. Three churches, Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea, gave. And they didn't just toss a 20 in the plate. 
They gave far beyond what anyone could have expected them to give to help their Jewish brethren. Remember, just a few years before, what was the attitude of the Jews toward the Gentiles? They're dogs. We want nothing to do with them. But now they were being brought in the church and being saved by the thousands like the Jews had been at Pentecost. And Paul says, these are your brethren. The whole book of Philemon in your Bible is about this type thing. That when he comes back, welcome him as a brother, not as a slave. The idea here is these Gentiles, these Jews are hurting. They need help. And the churches at Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea. So when it says in verse 1, the churches of Macedonia, that's who it's referencing. Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea gave incredibly. And Paul is so encouraged that he wants to share this with the church at Corinth. He's not sharing it with the Corinthians to browbeat them. He's not sharing it with them to beat them down and say, come on, pick it up. He's sharing it with them so they will see what the grace of God had done in those churches. How incredibly moved they were to want to help their Jewish brethren. So number one, they gave by the grace of God. And by the way, the one thing, please take away from this above all else, your number one motive for giving as a believer in Jesus Christ is that God has shown you grace. And you want to share that with other people. We mentioned earlier. They gave by the grace of God. Look at verse 2. Number one, they gave joyfully. Verse 2. That in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. So first thing I want you to notice is, despite their circumstances, and we'll talk about that in a moment, despite their circumstances, they gave liberally. They gave incredibly the amount that they gave. In a great trial of affliction... 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, Paul was writing to this church, Thessalonica, and he says to them, We ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. Like he's doing with the church at Corinth. He's simply saying, I'm so proud of the believers at Thessalonica and Berea and Philippi. But at Thessalonica, look what... They've done. And so it, it thrills my soul as the apostle to the Gentiles to see what God is doing there. Back here in verse 2, it says, in a great trial of affliction. And here's what the original language means, and it's such a beautiful picture, you can't miss it. It means they were under crushing pressure like you would take with grapes in a press, a wine press, to make wine out of them. That's what they were going through. Persecution and poverty were the norm for these Macedonian believers. The other Greek phrase means, the other meaning of that phrase is, they were like a beggar with absolutely no place to go and no hope. And yet their attitude was what? We want to give joyfully. We want to give joyfully. Under crushing pressure. They were an abysmally poor region. They'd been ravaged by wars. They were being plundered by the Romans. They had, the attitude might be this. 
And I've actually seen, heard people say this. I know it's tough on them, but it's tough everywhere. We got our own problems. That's not what a body of Christ does. That's what Paul's trying to communicate to the Corinthian believers. These, are your, these people may be Jewish, but they're your fellow believers. Look what the Macedonians did under the pressure, the, the poverty, the persecution. Back to verse 2. Great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy. And that means from their surplus, their overflow. Please don't miss this. It's real important. They didn't have any money to speak of. They didn't have this pot of gold sitting in the bank. You know what it means when it says they gave of their surplus, their overflow? Look at the phrase again in verse 2. The abundance of their joy. What is their overflow of? Not money, but what? Joy. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. They had that deep intimacy with the Holy Spirit that it just overflowed out of them. We want to help. We want to give. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, you don't have to turn over there, but 2 Corinthians chapter 9 says, let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Back to verse 2. They gave out of the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty simply means destitute. Giving is not about the amount. They didn't have a lot to give. It's about an overflow of the heart. The widow's might, great example. But they also gave sincerely from the riches of their liberality. They were rich in Christ. That's the only way they were rich. And they wanted to share that with their Jewish brethren. They, here's the point. Before we move to the next one, they did not let their circumstances hinder their giving. Affliction plus poverty plus grace equaled giving with joy. They gave willingly, verse 3, for I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing According to their ability, whatever they had, beyond their ability, they were willing to sacrifice, freely willing, voluntary. It wasn't about a tithe. It wasn't about a tax. They weren't coerced. They weren't someone they to bring somebody up to put them on a guilt trip. They just wanted to give. Look at verse 4. I love this. They were excited about doing this. Look at verse 4. They were imploring us. I have, man, I love this part of Scripture. They were imploring us, that'd be Paul and those with him, with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of, of the ministering to the saints. They, here's what it's, he's saying. In the Greek is they insisted strongly. They were begging Paul to let them be part of his ministry. They were begging. They didn't have anything to speak of. They wanted to be part, please, we insist, let us. Paul did not, literally did not want to share this need with them because he knew how bad off they were. But they insisted, we want to be part of it. Now notice, what do they want to share? They want to share the gift. Look at verse 4 again. Imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of ministering to the saints. 
Man, please don't miss that. I mentioned it earlier, but I want to make sure we get it. Here's what they were excited about. This is why it's a spiritual discipline. They were excited because they could give something. But the, the thing they were the most excited about was they wanted to share with those Jewish believers in helping them to get back on their feet. And I'm telling you from personal experience, put money aside, from personal experience, when you will feel the deepest and the closest to your Savior Jesus Christ is when you are doing something for somebody else. The last discipline we're going to look at this month is service. That's what it's all about. Jesus came to serve and to die. We die to serve. That's when you will feel the most effective for the kingdom. You'll know that God is using you when you're doing something for somebody else. Many of you will experience it next Saturday at the help day, just knowing that you could be part of just being loving to someone. I mentioned it earlier. When I get the email from the, I get from the Arnolds, I get one from Gary Whitmore every week, and I can read it, and I can see what God is doing through those missionaries. And, and when I talk to Ron Seachman, I see, I'll see Shireen tonight and see how they're doing. And know that I, that's what this is talking about. They were excited that they could be part of the ministry. Don't ever think you're unimportant. If you don't do anything but pray, that's incredibly significant and important. And don't think your gift doesn't matter. It does. Because through that, remember, we're talking about a spiritual discipline. And through that, not only will the kingdom benefit, you will personally grow. There's no question. Jesus spent more time on this subject. Where's your heart when it comes to treasure, materialism? Mammon was the old word they used, but it means materialism. Where's your heart? When it comes to that, Jesus said, that's where you know where you really are. It's your spiritual barometer. Where's your heart when it comes to this area? They excitedly gave. And in verse 5, it was a spiritual discipline. Verse 5, spiritually. Not, not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. Here it is again. Giving, whether you do it online, whether you do it in the black boxes, whether you, no matter how you do it, it's an act of worship. It's showing God what he's worth to you. Adoring him. It's God, notice verse 5 closely. It is God's will that you give. That's what Romans 12, 1 said, we quoted earlier. The reasonable service of worship continues to say, don't be transformed by the world, be conformed by the world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may live out the perfect will of God. It is God's will. It's a spiritual discipline. And notice verse 5. Here we're going to wrap up. Notice verse 5. They first gave where? They gave themselves to the Lord. And then as a result of being committed to Jesus Christ, that spiritual discipline, they then gave themselves to the ministry of Paul. 
I don't want to stop there today because I want to tie this in with service when we do that. Marcus is going to be with you next week. And he's going to share the next discipline, and I'm going to share service with you on the 23rd, and we're going to tie it in to this. So here's my challenge to you. See, we didn't take anybody's wallet away from you. Although we have the baptistry open today, and as someone has said, you get your wallet baptized, you know you're in. I don't, I've shared this with you before, it's so important. I don't know what one person gives to Christ Church, and I've been on staff here 35 years. I don't want to know. I know what Randy and Mary give, and that's it. But what I do know is that when I'm disciplined to do that, I'm the one that benefits. If you're giving it because you feel guilty, don't do it. Give because you want to. Think about your neighbors who don't know Jesus. As we pray for them, and we walk in our neighborhoods and we go back. Would you think the vast majority of people in your neighborhood are born again? I bet they're not. You know why? Because the vast majority of people in America are not. You have been given the greatest gift that anybody that walks planet Earth can ever experience. It's being born again. See people like Reese stand up public and say, I've been saved. I want you to know it. What a great moment. Not just for Reese and his family, but for the family of God at Christ Church. Hey, we're part of that. That's cool. There are a lot of Reese Butlers running around who don't know Jesus. Whose parents don't know Jesus. All the places that we find ourselves, we've experienced grace. So the reason we give is that Christ Church can do what we do and the missionaries can do what they do. It's not about the dollars. It's about us growing spiritually. The Macedonians begged Paul to take their gift, and they were destitute. I'm not here to make you feel guilty about how much you give. Because the other side of it is some people say, well, I give 10%. I'm good. Maybe God wants you to give 90%. That's the principle of the New Testament. It's not about a tithe. It's about the heart. Do you bow your heads, please? Lord, as we wrap up our time together today, we thank you for grace. If, if nothing else, Father, I pray what we have learned today is that we've experienced grace and we ought to be grateful for the privilege of sharing grace with other folks, particularly, specifically through the discipline of giving. That as we give, others can come to know Christ and we can disciple, help families rear their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and see adults get saved where they can share with their children. It's a privilege. I pray, Lord, we get that as Christians for all of us. So, Lord, you convict as individuals as we need to be convicted. If there's somebody here who's not a Christian, Lord, you lay it on their heart. Jesus showed grace. He died for me. Maybe at this moment I need to give him my life so I can be part of that. Say, Jesus, forgive me, save me. I want to be a Christian. But Lord, for those of us that are saved, we just be serious about our faith. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand as we sing.